This is Surgication, surgical education for parents. We are here to inform, inspire, connect, and heal. Pectus Excavatum, Surgication Episode 9. Dr. Timothy Kane, Chief of General and Thoracic Surgery, Children's National Hospital. Hi, welcome to another episode of Surgication. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Petrosian. Today we have Dr. Timothy Kane uh, as our guest, and we're going to discuss a diagnosis called pectus excavatum, which all it means is concave chest. We do see a lot of uh, patients, uh, normally teenagers, and we do often see also uh, young kids, but um, Tim and I do these procedures here at Children's National Hospital, and we wanted to talk about it a little bit uh, and uh, answer some questions that some parents may have. Welcome to Surgication, Tim. Thank you. All right. Why don't you tell our listeners uh, what is pectus excavatum? So, yeah, thank you for having me. So, um, pectus excavatum is the most common chest wall uh, asymmetry. and it, um, It's where the chest wall is caved in, in a concave fashion. It's also uh, called funnel chest, um, and it affects one in three to four hundred kids, mostly boys, three times more likely in males than females. It's something where it could appear at birth, um, but most most commonly it appears in adolescence um, and associated with rapid growth spurts where you know, one year the chest may look normal, but um, an adolescent goes through a growth spurt and the next year he has a big hole or caved in chest. Um, so it's something that pediatricians will frequently see. Um, and the time for referral is really when it's first noticed and then we could answer questions related to that. Is this... Hereditary, right? It, it's there's no specific genetic link, but it, it is very common to be associated in families, parents, and children, brothers, sisters, brothers um, can all have it. Um, so, although there's not a genetic link, it's it's very common to be found in families. Some would argue that this is somewhat cosmetic operation. Do you agree with that? I, I don't. Um, there, there's data in the adult literature and, and pediatric literature which shows that there's a improvement of the end diastolic filling volume of the heart, cardiac MRI, and intraoperative um, right ventricular, left ventricular strain uh, with release or improvement of the correction of the pectus hexavatum. So we probably haven't done the correct studies yet to, to prove that objectively, but um, subjectively um, in patients who are athletes before and after, um, almost 100% will say they have improved um, stamina and and function, but we're, we're just working on trying to prove, prove that in, in studies. But uh, um, there's definitely a dynamic compression of the heart prior to uh, pectus repair if it's severe and improvement after. And some kids don't notice that they have decreased exercise tolerance because they this has been there for a little bit of time and they haven't really thought about it. But when they have surgery afterwards, um, majority of our patients will say they, they feel better stamina. Correct. So there are a few tests that we normally uh, get when parents come to us and uh, with kids who have pectus excavatum. These are three tests, and uh, three tests are uh, are CAT scan. Mm-hmm. CAT scan basically um, is the single test you need just to document the um, severity of the chest wall asymmetry or the pectus. Um, there are kids who, if it looks like a mild asymmetry, um, we don't order studies um, initially, or we'll wait till they get older. Um, because there's no need to get a study unless your the family or, or child is interested in having a procedure, or if if the practitioner thinks it's severe enough to warrant surgery. 
Um, the other test to get is an echocardiogram because there's often some cardiac anomalies associated with five five or so percent of pectus excavatum can be associated with a cardiac condition, right. um, which some down some time down the road may need some repair like aortic root dilation or anomalous coronary arteries. Um, and, and in terms of a screening tool, our purpose of getting the cardiac echo is not to uh, see if the pectus is causing anything, but to rule out other sources, which Correct. one day they may need a sternotomy to have that repaired. The, the other the other test that is uh, not always done, but frequently is the pulmonary function test. And th- those probably have the lowest yield in terms of determining what to do surgically, because most of them don't show any abnormalities. Young, healthy teenagers, um, it takes a lot for them to have decreased lung function based on their chest wall. Um, but some insurance companies request that I would say we get pulmonary function tests in less than 10% of our patients. Yeah, I agree. And then the other test that we normally get is uh, allergy testing, which is important. Uh, it's became a standard of care uh, recently to be, to get the allergy testing because it uh, tests for a number of metals mm-hmm. that are detected in the actual pectus bar. So there's two kinds of bars. There is titanium bar and there is a metal bar. The metal bar has, and I have a list of uh, number of stainless steel bar has number of uh, metals in them, they can cause allergies. For example, nickel, chromium, molybdenum, uh, manganese, silicon. So they all can cause uh, some sort of allergy. Because we don't want to place a bar in someone who has allergies to, for example, nickel. Then it becomes whole, it has a whole host of issues having a bar that you're allergic to. The issue is that with a allergy to stainless steel, we have to order a titanium bar, which are more expensive and require the custom bending so um, it's not the default to get that bar, but the testing is pretty easy to do and much more accurate now. So it prevents the problems related to that bar allergy later on, which requires steroid treatment, sometimes antibiotics, sometimes bar removal. Yeah. And then Joyce, going back to the CASCAN, sometimes parents hear this term Haller index, which is basically a number that we look at uh, to determine whether there's, how severe pectus is. And there's also correction index, where in some places who... Uh, are not used to getting a CAT scans with a correction index, the Haller index may be actually low. The Haller index is based on a paper back in the late 80s where they measured the widest diameter of the chest uh, and divided into that the narrowest diameter between the back of the sternum and the, the spine. spine yeah. And so that index, if it was above a 3.2, was considered severe and would benefit or qualify for surgery, and most insurance companies use that criteria. However, the Haller index can underestimate a... Uh, severity, severity of, of pain, chest yeah. wall in, in kids who have really narrow chests and overestimate if they're really wide chests. So in 2012, uh, another index was published that shows um, the degree you need to correct the sternum to make it flat. And a correction index is um, gauged by a percentage. So if you have a 10% indentation in your chest, that you'll look at that individual and say that's fairly normal. It yeah. won't strike you so anything over 10 is qualifies for for right. essentially a procedure so we you for example you can have someone with a correct uh, haller index of 2.8 but the correction index 26 percent right so if you look at that individual that's a severe one but if you, you only use the haller index then it's not going to qualify i also think that kids who have actually normal haller index those kids who whose chest subjectively looks pretty severe while they may have a normal haller index in my opinion, if they want to have the operation, they should have the operation because some kids are actually depressed. It psychologically causes significant pain and agony. They don't like taking their T-shirts off when, the, when they go to swim 
and a whole host of issues. Uh, and I, I do think that those kids will benefit significantly. And uh, But emotionally, they're just not doing well. So yeah, yeah. Uh, at times, uh, insurances won't cover this uh, procedure. And we have to call and argue with insurance that and explain to them the situation with each patient. So uh, while Haller Index is sort of there for everyone to, to utilize, it's really not set in stone. Uh, right. And, and the insurance companies are much better now about you know, accepting the, the correction index, a child can come in uh, and we use the, depending on the age of the child, they may be very ambivalent. They don't care if their chest is indented, right. they're 12, 13 years old, 14. So those are children that we don't say you need surgery. You know, it's not, it's, there's no urgency. And typically those kiddos will come back with their parents in a couple of years and they'll say, I, I don't like how my chest looks or it will progress over that period of time. Um, so that's why it's important not to get studies and tests if they're not thinking about potentially having the surgery because it's a patient's choice uh, eventually. And we don't try to talk people into having the surgery. It's a commitment. And it's a, uh, the child actually has to have skin in the game and say, yeah, I want to do this. And that's parents right. have to you know, be um, in, on, in on the decision as well. All right. And then the operation itself takes about anywhere from an hour to 90 minutes. And that involves... Um, you know, measuring the chest um, and um, bending a bar, whether it be uh, stainless steel that we bend ourselves or titanium that's bent by a company. Uh, this is the standard width and diameter of, of these bars. And you bend it to a convex position and then tunnel it behind the sternum uh, from right to left. And then the, uh, the anterior portion of the bar is going to be pushing the sternum out. And the bar will be behind the sternum like this. And then laterally, it's going to be out, outside the sternum, but along the chest wall underneath the uh, muscles and, and uh, skin. And uh, you can uh, put these strategically in a position where the defect is lowest um, by using thoracoscopy, which is a um, camera, uh, and you have direct visualization of the chest. Um, so the safety of that um, includes being able to see the heart being able to see the lungs and you tunnel the bar under direct vision so you can avoid all the vital structures and put it in the best possible position. Cause sometimes behind the sternum, there are knobs of cartilage that if you blindly pass it through, the bar may be unstable and predisposed to subsequent bar turning and flipping. Yeah. And the other thing that we, we've done in the past few years is in kids with very significant indentations, very low where you can't see the heart fully behind the sternum, we do sternal elevation to elevate the chest during surgery to see safely uh, and to pass the bar. And in a lot of those individuals, probably 45, 50% will get more than one bar. The bar itself stays. Um, yeah. Depending on age, uh, um, we recommend if kids are over 18 or up to age, we do up to age 29, um, two years at least. But in younger kids, we generally go towards three years um, because you want to maintain that correction through growth spurts um, and not take it out too early. Um, and you also don't want to leave it in too long where you might impinge growth of the chest wall. And also the, um, the placement of the bars or the, the positioning of the bars is important to, to get a, a, an adequate correction. So the bar flipping occurs only about 1% of the time right. and, um, it, you'll lose your correction or it will look, uh, look different. And that's the, the primary complaint of the child has a or severe bar. pain while they were doing fine. And now they have a severe pain. So those are the uh, indications of something happened to the bar. So bar, bar stays two to three years, and then we normally take it out as an outpatient procedure. Uh, the actual hospital course anywhere from two to four days nowadays. Yeah, we, we have a protocolized pain um, 
pathway such that our average length of stay, the kids go home on day three. Whereas when we several years ago used epidurals, kids were here for five days. Um, by their one to two week post-op checkup, most of the kids are just taking Tylenol and Motrin. I think the lessons for parents to take home is it's a treatable disease. Um, it's a, a, a treated by operation. We normally get three tests. Uh, and these are CAT scans, uh, allergy testing, as well as um, echocardiogram. echocardiogram. Uh, the Haller index 3.25 usually qualifies for your operation, but it's not set in stone. So if your child has a normal Haller index or Haller index is, that's below 3.25, you still qualify for the operation depending on your child's situation. Correction and index. correction index as well, as Dr. Kane mentioned. Both Dr. Kane and I uh, do these operations here. Uh, if you have any questions and um, want to find out more information, please go to childrensnational.org. Uh, if you have further questions, please email us at info at certification.com. Thank you very much and have a great day. Thanks, Tim, for Thank coming you. and joining us. Thank you very much.